G'day, and welcome to the Hunter's Campfire Podcast. My name's Mark, and along with good mate Ian, we're here to help with all things hunting. If you're looking to start, but don't know where to begin, you want to make the most of your next trip away, or even plan to hunt of a lifetime, we've got something for you. You'll find our podcasts on Apple, Google, Spotify, Amazon, and plenty of others. And if you want more, head over to our YouTube channel, The Hunter's Campfire, where we have plenty of how-to and hunting videos, along with the full video production of every podcast. Don't forget to like and subscribe, and good hunting. Uh, welcome everyone to this week's um, episode of the Hunters um, podcast. Oh, doing well. Hunters, no. <laughs> See, this is where you can't just throw it straight at me. Where are you? Where are you? Welcome everybody. I will introduce you to my good friends, John, Mark, and Ian. Um, they threw me under the bus as we um, joined here, and um, I'll throw it back over to the more capable uh, people than me. Good job, mate. Well, just yeah. uh, just so you know, because you're a long time listener, uh, we are the Hunters Campfire Podcast. I know. <laughs> Very good. Yes, we did throw you uh, not under the bus, but on the spot for sure. Um, so yes, everybody. That was one yeah. big buzz. <laughs> <laughs> Looking forward to seeing this one come out. Um, right. So yes, we're we're back. We're having another episode, and we're going to talk about a few different things that we've been doing, where we've been inviting uh, some of our listeners along, and uh, John Hendo, as we call him here. Uh, has come on a couple of our trips recently, so good to have him on the podcast. Uh, outside of uh, the wool shed, way up in Maybole, Maybole, so it's um, with a greater unwashed back there, but uh, a little bit more, <laughs> more clean and tidy. Um, and it would be great to talk a little bit about um, what we got up to out there, your experience as a reasonably new hunter coming along with the crew, and then of course um, you joined us at Fraser. Uh, yep. That was an easy one, given that you and I have been going there for quite some time now um over you know over the last five or six years but um different trip every time we go so we might cover that off and talk about a bit of the gear that we use so uh, again welcome thanks for joining us hendo and and leading us into episode number can't remember what it is welcome thanks, for, uh, thanks for inviting me guys it's um it's good to finally um jump on one of these i've been listening since probably day one so and you can just tell how the professionalism has increased exponentially since we started. Hey, when you give me five seconds to actually go, okay, you're going to do the introduction now, and I figure you're joking, and then you actually say, no, it's true. Yeah, it's true. You can throw the best of it, right? So. Yeah. We'll let you do the outro, so you can think about that for now. Cool. Very good. Oh, well, let's I'm lead off. I'm just taking off my socks. I'm not having a heart attack. I'm just taking off my socks. <laughs> Very good. Um Got we, uh, we're, we're stacking Free up a few recordings as we go, right? So yeah. uh, around the grounds will be a little bit um, the same as last time. It's not probably not a lot happening. You, you know, you don't have to you tell guys. people that. You know, they, they don't know that we only did one a couple of days ago. They well, don't know. Two, two days ago. We've got so many people looking to come on that we've got to just keep punching That's... them out. It's great. I don't know that. So I've, you've um... been out. I have I've I've been buying stuff. I haven't been out much. Oh, I've got a couple of things happening and it's uh, holding me up at home. But um, moving on past that, I've bought myself a new torch. Um, for those who know me, I have a torch and knife fetish, and I've decided that fetishes are good, and I'm keeping it. So this is the new <laughs> Olight. I think they even see that. Describe, describe yeah. the shape for the listeners. That's right. You buy these really expensive torches, and you get these little rubber bands it's like you know when you buy 
$2,000 rifle and they give you a sticker and you get all excited by the sticker. So, <laughs> so, yeah, so, so true. I've just outlaid $5,000 for a Sago rifle. Look, yeah, but there they we go. Gave me a sticker. My new DJI sticker from my That's new camera. That's right. That's right. That's my, my, my Yeti stickers up there with the $400 Esky. <laughs> so I got a sticker out of it. Hey, I got so, it. Yes. So yes, I bought the Marauder MIDI Mini O light, and it is incredibly bright, and I really like it. And that's um, the that's the MIDI, is it? This is the Mini. So mini, there's mini. a bigger. This is the Mini, and um, so yeah, it's incredibly bright, uh, and it has a uh, switch that switches straight from beam to spot. So it's actually quite. I actually think it's very well designed. It's very easy to use. If you haven't used the iLights before, they're USB charge. They've got a nice little magnetic charger that goes on there. That's my latest purchase. So yeah, I'm, I'm just playing with that, you know. And is it, um, it no, well, it's pretty chunky. Um, it's, it's, alloy, not something, it? it's not something alloy. you carry in your backpack. It's just you know, in case you you should uh, loan that to Ian next time he goes hunting the... for his spotlighting because the. Um... Oh yeah, he, no, he likes this, to shoot oh, things under spotlight. Oh, oh, yeah. oh, listen to it. Oh, <laughs> well, this would be very, very good for spotlighting deer. If if, if that's how you how you roll, this would be a very that's definitely good option. Uh, Ian rolls. It yes. might be a bit hard. <laughs> it might be a bit hard. You know, you'd have to kind of figure out how to hold it, and because there's no, he'll get some tape and tape mount. to the barrel or something. But I need to. Could... I need to rebut. Can everyone be quiet? Okay, um, sure. Just after dark. Uh, my good friend Jono, who'd shot and left the deer because he couldn't find it, came over to where we were and enlisted our help with our torches to go back and find said buck. So you know, it's it's probably a good idea to have this. I am not on. I'm not doubting the abilities of a torch, but I did not shoot mine under torch. Mine was it was still light when I shot mine. Still light when I shot mine. Yeah, it was light illuminated by a torch. Yes. <laughs> well, it was. It was still like it, it was light in WA, so yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's right. Semantic. So back to the torch, Mark. Um, it's an alloy, but it's USB charge. Yeah, it's so USB charge. Uh, there, no, actually, this one's actually has a replaceable battery, so you can, you know, if it does go, it's just a. It's just a uh, I haven't run it at full full pelt because they they do really burn up power, man, because it's so how, bright. How is it charged now? Can you turn it on and just leave it on? Just leave it there. Uh, okay, I'll run up for and you can, listen. Put it under your chin. Shoo, 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 shoo. It's got a vibration, does it? Yeah, it does. Thing. It's got like a phone. Tickle me, Mark. Tickle it me. You to, it tells you up to full power. That's just using more oh, battery yeah, though. You. Is that the torch? Yeah, it's the no, torch, torch. Yeah. Was Mark going? Hmm. <laughs> like, you know. In fact, if you were spotlighting with it, you could maybe call the deer in. There you go. How's that? I don't know what deer you call in, but. Well, no, I've never spotlighted deer, so I wouldn't know. But I'll get a guilty chill. Bullshit. I'm going to put it here. You put it there under your chin. It'll make yeah. it really spooky. And oh, you can turn oh, your lights off behind it. Over here somewhere. Turn your room lights off, and then we'll know what's going on with it. Hey, that's an idea. No, turn the light turn the lights off, mate. I have. Only only okay, that, That's flood. All right, let's see how long it lasts. I'll put that there. 
If the monitors catch on fire, you know, it has yeah, a heat sink issue. We, give, we need to give Hendo another job. Uh, can you update the listeners as the brightness dulls? Because yeah. it's, it's no good on Podbean. So, yeah, so, so those listening, is is in ridiculously bright in this room. I've turned the light off and you wouldn't know. And we're running the Olight at full power to see how long it dims out. At I think it's at like 7,000 lumens at the moment, some ridiculous number like that. Happy days. Mm. In other news, in, other news. in our last podcast, we set ourselves a challenge to launch a website. And guess what? It's launched. It's done. It's live. It's up. There's some bugs. People are telling us. Um, but that's hey. okay. We're hacks. Um, that's right. I have to move this a little bit. Otherwise, it's blinding me. You can't even tell your lights are off. That's ridiculous. I'll put it over there. Pretty impressive. There you, can see, look, there you go. Hmm? We can actually see it. Yep. It's in shot. There we go. We'll put it over there. How can you see it? Can I give some um, user feedback from the website? No. Oh, Second. yeah. Yeah, go. <laughs> I um I actually think your the pack idea where you show what you have in individual packs is awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I I found that really idea. interesting. Obviously I've known Ian for a while and I know what he carries, but it was really interesting to see how that compares to like Mark and John O. So, you know, um just as some, some off the cuff sort of feedback. I thought that was pretty cool. Thank you very much. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Did you notice that each one of those individual pictures was clickable? Yes, actually. I, I managed to accidentally click on one, and um, that was good because it gives you an idea of um, some more details, but also a bit of an idea of pricing. Yep. Mm. Yeah. Okay. So we've tried to link. In fact, not just tried. We have linked every single product on the website to somewhere you can go and buy it. Um, some of that's to the vendor. Some of it's just to random places that we go shopping for stuff. You'll know on my butchering kit that's, that I've listed in there, um, we all use different game bags. Um, yeah. Some of us use branded game bags. There's probably a, a reason for buying those things, but I just go to the butcher supply and buy a ham bag. Um, so it's you know it's a, it's a good size. It can it can chuck a quarter in, um, and I've just linked it up to an online butcher supply that I get them from. So uh, it's not feeding us. It's just generally um, giving everyone information on where to go and get it. And we've had that many people contact us saying. What do you have in your pack? Well, now you can go and have a look. Now, it's not everything. There'll be bits and pieces floating around, half-eaten Mars bars and whatever else. I didn't stick them on there, but um, <laughs> I put the, the useful stuff up, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. And it's like a day pack, so we'll expand it over time to over, you know, tents and things like that as well and, and keep expanding it. And as Ian said, it either links to some things it has to link back to the suppliers. For instance, rifles, you can't buy them online, so it's got a links back some link back to, to places where you can directly buy them like amazon and some link back directly to the manufacturer like the socks that i buy from the nundle mill so it links back to those guys so yeah it's um you, it gives you an idea where you can buy them or at least where you can look for them i think for someone like me who loves to get out but doesn't get out anywhere near as much as i'd like um you just never know, right? And it just prompts some of those sorts of things going, oh, shit, that's where I can buy it. Well, sorry, is swearing allowed on this podcast? Swearing, well, if it isn't, it's too late now. Okay. <laughs> um, but I think some of that sort of stuff's really good. Just, I don't know, just the questions you don't know who to ask. Um, mm. When it's there visually in front of you um, to know what, you know, hopefully take an animal, what you need as sort of a band. 
minimums. Cool. Very Thank cool. I'm glad That's it's useful. Up. Yeah, we'll um we're getting quite a few visits to it now. People obviously that have been um listening in, um they're getting hold of it and they're, they're having a look around. So it's good to see people see people uh, having a look. Send us the feedback if there's stuff on there that you you want to see added. Um, we're more than happy to add it. Um, there'll be some places to interact shortly, uh, and additional things as we as we grow it out. So it's early stages, but yeah, I think it's good stuff. Yeah, and we want to put a community page on there as well. That is not everyone that we we engage with, we work with, you know, like we work with Beretta and that, but there's a number of other people out there that we just have relationships with. Hook and Bone, um, you know, guys like that. Um, just want to promote them while we're there. And, and look, Double SAA have been a really big supporter of us. Um, they always support our socials, so we want to put them there as well. So it's about recognising those who not only, you know, back us um, like Beretta, but also those who are, you know, fans or supporters of us as well. Yeah. The last thing that I'll mention is um, uh, one of the pages that you'll see is Featured Products, and features Featured Product after this podcast will now have an Olight torch. It's something we've discussed on the podcast. Um, we will put it up on the featured page so that you can go and have a look at it yourself, find where to get it if you want to. And we're always discussing oh, something about it as well. <laughs> bench oh, yeah, we're on fire out. The fetish rolls on. Um, bench main knives. So that's good. Anyway, enough on the website. Is there anything else we want to cover off before we hook into uh, some of the experiences we've been uh, having dragging John out into the wilds? No, oh, I think we're pretty good. To... Let's, let's do it. Let's go. Let's get put John on the spot again. Excellent. Be more prepared now, guys. It's all we did good. say this okay. wasn't going to be a Hendo interview, but it's turning out it's going to be that way. Um, so, obviously, um, you're reasonably new to hunting, and you've been out once or twice with us through the Australian Deer Association, uh, Darling Downs Branch that we belong to, belong to, that you've belonged to, um, and um, when we put the slam out, um, one of the options was for you to come out to the slam and um, participate in the competition that we were putting together, which was a hell of a lot of fun. Um, heading into that weekend, we started the banter a little bit early, which put a bit of pressure on everyone. Um, how did you enjoy that experience? It was a it was a hell of a lot of fun. The banter before or the the whole thing? Mm-hmm. Well, bit... the banter before, but the, you know the lead up into it, and and I guess um, your experiences or your experience in hunting leading up to the weekend. Um, uh, expectations I guess didn't have any specific expectations because I've not been to that block but I had been to other blocks in that sort of general area so I kind of knew what to expect but it's like anything when you don't get to do it but you love it you know I probably didn't even sleep the night before we headed out Um, it's just you know it doesn't matter if you're 45 or you know 14 you get excited Um, just the chance to go out with a bunch of good guys um you know, do something you love um, in a pretty cool location. So for me, it was an awesome experience. Um, you know, the I think the idea of having the two teams and that uh, both, you know, competition but also camaraderie um, was awesome. I mean, I don't know what it came like uh, across on the actual um, videos. I'm a bit biased. I love them. Um, but it was so much fun in the moment. I mean, the, the Zolios, you guys texting back and, you know, you guys setting up, 
fake heads in the in the car window <laughs> and, and that that sort of stuff. That was, that was, that was right. a good idea. Yeah, that, that was awesome. Right. Because we were, we'd busted all day and we'd had a good day, but to come back up and think we'd, we'd been lost, you know, that was a bit harsh. But, I mean, I I still tell talk about the story. You know, I probably talked about it more still. Um, even though we went to Fraser, probably talked about the, you know, the hunting trip a little bit more recently you know, because it's just something I don't get to do as much. Um, I love the cold. Um, it was it was nice really cold. cold. It I was very cold. cold. John o, Johnny O and Ian with his um, you know, electric what were they? Electric blankets. Electric blankets. Yeah. Um, I think getting to meet someone else as well because I I met you guys um a little bit before, but um, never met Rowan. Um, he fitted into the group really really well. Um, can't play rock paper scissors for shit, but um, <laughs> otherwise. <laughs> you know, it, it was really good. I mean, I, I don't know what uh, more I can say, but, you know, um, it was good to have, um, you know, obviously Ian, who's done a lot more of this than I have, being able to, you know, take lead and give me some pointers as we went around. Um, certainly a lot of animals That's on that. crazy, walk, wasn't it? You know, pigs, pigs and more pigs. Um, I couldn't believe how many pigs. I think the first animals we saw were pigs in probably 40 minutes after we sort of, went out the first morning and we'd, we'd knocked one over, right? So mm. um, it was a tough block um, in in ways, um, but it was big enough, I think, to hold the two groups without any sort of issues. Um, you could probably maybe run three pairs on there, but two was awesome. Um, yeah, I think if you ran three, it'd be... Um... It'd be similar to the other block that we go to that you have to manage it a lot. I think, yeah, yeah I think better. two pairs was 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 good. I think you had significant space and you had space to move around as well. So if the wind changed, you had options. Where I think the other block for Operation Venison, you didn't have many options. You had your piece of ground, and if the wind was wrong, you had nowhere else to go because otherwise you're trespassing. Well, you did. You got to cross into <laughs> your, your other guys. Oh, here we go in. again. <laughs> But but that yeah, shows that you right. had no other options. Where I think on the the um, the slam the slam block, you actually had options. You had numerous places you could go to. Like we were resting, correct. We were Whereas space. with um, with you know Operation Venison, you couldn't really do that. You had you had to leave half the block, and you know that was it. You only had a small little area that you could focus on. Um, and unfortunately, hmm. the deer were mainly in that one area. So if you went up there and sent it up, that was it. It was done for the day. Yeah. The other thing I, I know we talked about a little bit was um, how we change tactics, changing game species. You know, you know, you had to, you knew pigs were going to be there the whole time. We didn't know that when we started, right? So knocking a pig over early, we were like, yeah, fine, we got a pig, that's great. You know, and off we went to chase you know, goats and deer. But in reality, um, we probably could have used the time better. Um, you know, when we go back next time, knowing the volume of pigs that are there, um, that was really early light and probably blew a lot of chances to um, to chase the goats that we were hearing in the background. They would have gone to cover. Um, you know, so there are things that you learn about the block as you go. Mm. Um, but, yeah, it was quite interesting switching from, you know, knowing that you, you, you need to be able to take a deer down and you've only got first and last light for that. So reserving that time for the deer and chasing the other animals during the day became tactics that I hadn't really considered before we got there, but um, we put a lot of thought into them as the weekend we progressed. Had very, I was, I was going to say, we had very different experiences, though, considering it wasn't a huge block. 
um, you know, we saw tons of pigs, but we saw so many goats. We saw crazy numbers of goats and we were hunting. Oh, and, and deer. deer. Yeah. But um, I mean, the number of goats we saw on the first morning, we saw huge mobs. Um, and I know mm. you guys were, you were chasing them. You could hear them, but we saw them. And I'll show you, you know, you've seen the footage of, on the opposite hillside. Um, there was just goats everywhere where you didn't have the same experience, but we were hunting in very, very similar areas. Um, certainly we saw a lot more deer yeah. than you did. Um, we didn't connect with one. We had numerous opportunities, but we didn't connect, but they were certainly there. Um, we didn't have to change tactics. We just had to be in the right place at the right time, I think. Watching mm. your video was really interesting to see that other side of it, because you, when we got back at you know lunchtime and stuff like that, to hear what you were talking about, like you said, it was very different. We, we saw that many pigs and we followed a lot of, um, um, you know, around that we could hear um, in terms of goats and stuff like that. But yeah, I think oh, you we, saw heaps, huge more, heaps more. I mean, we saw one good group that we got one out of, but um, not like what you were saying. Hmm. Interesting time. Um, from a, a new hunter's perspective, I, I know you've been uh, acquiring gear for a couple of years. You know, things come on special. You've been picking up bits and pieces. Um, you know, making a phone call, finding out what you should be putting on the shopping list, things like that. Um, what uh, did you have any any major gear dramas? No dramas, but this was the first time um, taking out the new pack, and the difference of a well fitted, properly supported pack for your comfort when you're walking up big hills. Invest the money. That's all I can say. I don't not I'm not brand specific or anything like that, but just the difference to be able to get around with the previous pack I had was huge. You know, I would be having sore shoulders, stuff would be slipping. Um, that new pack from um, Hunter's Campfire, not Hunter's Campfire, Hunter's Element, um, was a huge difference to what I previously been wearing. So, mm. so that was which, what, which pack was that? Boundary. The, yeah, Boundary. Boundary. And certainly more storage. Um, the other thing I probably learnt from previous hunts, I used to take way too much stuff. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. Um, because you know you're really coming back to camp at lunchtime and the car's not that far away. So you don't really need a jet boil and three days worth of food. You know. You say that, but a coffee on the side of the hill is pretty good. Don't get me wrong. I mean, there's, there's a time and a place, but um, I still would have packed way too many, um, you know, and same with just layers of clothing. You know, it's freezing in the morning, but just know that you're going to be cold for the first 10 minutes, bust your ass up a hill and um, you'll be nice and warm. I remember it was still, you know, it's before seven o'clock and I think it was negative one or one, uh, you know, maybe one degrees. I was down a t-shirt um, and not having to worry about all those layers and stuff like that. The pack was good. So a few of those little things that I learned um, that you guys probably take for granted, um, but it's all about just getting out there and trying and working when you're uncomfortable and how you can fix it. Mm. Good point. Yeah, it is. I mean, it all, yeah, it all looks good on the shelf or it all looks good on the, you know, on the website, you've got to put it into practice and what you, you know, like all of us, you find over the years that you actually you kind of increase in quality and decrease in content. You know, you, you get smaller, lighter, more efficient gear, cost more. But it does it does what you want it to do so much better than you know, and it's you know there's less of it. So things right through things from like you know, what kind of knives you take and all that kind of stuff. You just get you figure out what works and what doesn't, 
and uh, you take what works and what doesn't you you know you either give it away or sell away or something like that because yeah. i've got a whole i've got a whole shed full of stuff that doesn't work mm. so that was the slam experience um looking forward to doing it again i know we've uh we've tried to rebook the block we'll do it again and uh, potentially get some some other people to come along as well we'll see how it goes but um yeah it was a it was a really good experience it was good for john and i to have a couple of new fellas coming with us as well it changed our experience oh, sure. completely um you know yeah. our rifles were on our packs um you guys were front and center to start with um i don't know if i was lucky or unlucky no i was definitely unlucky uh, you had a siesta for <laughs> one of the sessions um so i got to take the rifle off the pack and and be first shooter but um it it was good to 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 guide and and share the experience and you know just just you know pass on some of the knowledge that we've gained over the years um and it was good that pretty much you know other than the fact that you de- i think you dehydrated yourself didn't you mm. on the yeah, first I time it was yeah. a lesson a lesson to learn that even though it's cold you still need to drink mm. and that's the thing right you know you think you're drinking enough um i was never hot um and i just you know, obviously didn't drink enough. Um, probably to be too excited first morning, you know, these things happen. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, we all learn these things, yeah. but there, that was that one. And, um, thanks for coming along. Made it a really great, great weekend. And, uh, yeah, look forward to doing it again. Yeah, well, just, mm, well, I was going to say before we on that one, I mean, the slam was such a good weekend and there was so much banter going on backwards and forwards with the whole rock, paper, scissors and, and everything else that, that's that banter still continues to this day. We still have a Facebook group chat yep. and we're still sending shit backwards and forwards and, and jokes and memes and all the rest of it. So that shows you how a weekend like that can really bring, you know, hunters, you know, new hunters, experienced hunters together and, and just share a common, I suppose, bond um, and just really get along. And, you know, it still continues to this day that we actually had such an awesome weekend and we can continue that. Yeah, I mean, we were messaging everyone last night, and I think you know Rowan gets a hard time sometimes. So that, oh, right. Every time, uh, I know. But Facebook is the you know the meme generator that just keeps on giving when you when you with some of that sort of stuff. So, yeah, and that's where I mean, I hope we can get together and do Slam twenty twenty two two point oh because and it'd be great to do the same block because you know, like he, I think Ian said, we learnt so much about that block. Um, and where to go, or, you know, you do it again. You walk past the pigs that first morning, um, for example, and try to hunt one of the other species because you know you're going to get it. Like we we thought we were, you know, magic because we found pigs in 40 minutes. Well, I mean, on yeah, on the last morning we were trying to off. catch pigs by hand because there were so many and you could get that close to them that we just thought, oh, let's make it challenging. Um, and yeah, try and catch them by hand. We got pretty close to them, but we didn't catch one. But they were there was just ridiculous numbers of pigs. Mark, I don't think you should come to that block, mate. You're running out of ammo. Who was trying to catch a pig up there in the Northern Territory? Remember, we came across that. I spotted that little. Oh, that little, little pronto. <laughs> I saw that. Uh, remember, we came up that waterhole and went, oh, look. look. Yeah. And there's, there's a little a pig, pig. The first, the first big game we saw right, in the Northern Territory. First pig. Was that was Matt, Matt trying to catch. Well, Matt was, Matt was going to catch it. Matt, Matt, that's right. And then someone whacked it with a 9.3, didn't they? Yeah. 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 He got blown up. He got blown up. That's right. I remember that's it. It was We were watching him try and stalk in on that pig. You could certainly do that at this block. That's for sure. Yeah. Oh, you could. Yeah. But I mean, and then there's the other thing is um, next season. It could be completely different. different. 
Yeah. Might be my I mean I've never seen it dry up there. It's honestly it's always wet underfoot. Um and we were lucky that we had a bit of heat to get the cars back up the hill because committing the cars Oof. to the hill on the first yeah, morning. That was scary. Um they were going down without <laughs> yeah. the wheels turning, they were just going. Yeah. Um so we were well committed, but um yeah, who knows what next year will bring. Could be a completely different thing and um probably be good for Ryan to get a get a couple of shots away and be successful to kick his week. Hopefully a ruffle as well. <laughs> yeah, that's right. We'll see how it goes. That thing was um, way a ton. So. What was Locker it? Hail, 270. It was yeah. a 270. It was a vomit. What do you reckon it weighed? Probably four and a half, five kilos probably. Oh. Yeah, it was Ooh, a wow. heavy vomit barrel, Parker Hale 270, with a heavy wooden stock on it. And he was trying to shoot wow. it off hand. So it was an... So it was Old an older he, style Yeah, it was, was an uncle's rifle yeah. or something that he inherited. Yeah, probably comp, comp rifle or something like that by the sound every, of it. Uh, every um, bit of video footage, he was like this to counterbalance yeah. the weight. It was, <laughs> Plus yeah, he had some feed issues <laughs> trying to get yeah, rounds of the first round just wouldn't feed properly. It was yeah, doesn't doesn't lend well to quick quick shots. Never mind. Never mind. Mm. Never mind. Let's talk about Fraser. Do it. Lead away. Fishing mecca. Well, it wasn't, so, it wasn't really a yeah. mecca this year compared to last year, I thought. It was... Compared to last really year, well. we, we still did okay. For the amount of fishing we did compared to balancing it with family stuff, I think we did okay. Um, I yeah, so, loved... so Fraser, Fraser for us is, a, uh, is sort of the end of the end of the hunting season for the year. Or even though we'll still pop out and go and do something, probably go to Severn or out to Pilliga or something like that. But it's the end of, really for me anyway, it's the end of chasing deer for the season. And it's a good opportunity to invite a few people out, take the families and, and go and have a good week away. Um, we're lucky enough to be able to take a few base camps. So we had three campers come along, um, you know, so you can set up a pretty good spot. We were going this year um at a time so it was school holidays we thought it was going to be crazy busy uh they'd canned a bunch of the camping zones because of dingo activity so we just thought that was just going to condense all the people to you know the available locations but yet again it surprised me the place was well, i'm not going to say it was empty but it was certainly quiet wasn't it i think every year we've gone past um orchid it's always been pretty quiet i think it's just the nature of it's a fair way up the I mean yes there was going to be less people always with not as many campsites available um, but I, I've really fallen in love with that top part of the um, the island compared to you know down below really um, yeah yeah the um, the fact that you've got to get up over an Indian head which is not a major challenge to be honest it's you know it's 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 nothing really um, if you've got your tire pressures and those sorts of things right you just skip up over that hill bit different when you're towing a camper trailer or a caravan but still not that difficult um but it, like you say you've got to get past that you've got to go past orchid beach township and then we're into zone eight which is the next stretch of beach on the way up it's that much further that more than 50 percent of the traffic i believe is gone if you're if you camp down on the main beach before indian head um You've just got cars going back and forth oh, it's along crazy, the beach, crazy, crazy highway. It's really hard, really hard to manage young kids 
you know, mm-hmm. that want to run down to the surf and have a good time, build sandcastles, and then, you know, there's people that don't want to slow down, well, you know, below yeah, 80 kilometres an hour. You remember the first year we, we stayed, it was probably 2018 at Dundabra. Yep. Um, we stayed there because you had um, your young boy, he was, what, one? Um, Nearly so, one, yeah. <laughs> um, and we wanted a um, an area which we had dingo proof fences and stuff like that. But that meant a lot of the fishing we were doing at that front area. And it's an 80k highway. Um, yeah. And it was extraordinarily busy. Um, we had to really watch, and we probably had, I don't know, 10, 12 kids that year. We had to make sure we really watched it. But um, Orchid, you still would do the same up in Zone 8, but nowhere near as much. No. No, which makes it a really family-friendly area. And also Orchid Beach itself, you know, it's a, it's a nice secluded bay. Um, the, the, the tide, when it runs out, leaves, you know, a nice tidal pool that the kids can swim in. It's, you know, up to their chests. It's pretty safe. Um, it's good fishing um, if you've got the right tides and you've got the right currents, I guess. But, um, yeah, it's just a really good spot to go. If anyone's considering going up that way, I highly recommend going that little bit further and just having it quiet. Um, of course, then there's Orchid Beach itself. There's a pub and a shop, and you can get ice creams and top-ups for things for camping and all of that sort of stuff. Um, it's just nice to have convenient fuel water as well. Yeah, water, yeah, all of that stuff. So, you know, it just takes the edge off having to carry every little thing with you when you go up there. Um, so that's really good. So, yeah, I recommend that. And then it's a good spot to be able to disappear and go and do day trips. You know, uh, if you're taking kids up there and you're not just doing the fishing thing, um, it's not difficult to get up over Nagala and up to Sandy Cape and it's not hard to get back down to the wrecks and champagne pools and all of the good things that kids want to do. Um so, yeah, it's good, and I don't think anyone really needs to be concerned about whether they can or can't get up over Nagata Rocks. It's infamous, right? It's it's the thing that, you know, uh, like uh, in Skip Point, there's plenty of people there with GoPros and phones and uh, liking to put you on Facebook. But, um, you know, you, you're you you're heading over that in a fairly stock Prado. 100% and stock Prado. It took, but... everything, took you everywhere. Yeah, oh mate, and easily. Um, right tire pressure is probably the most important thing. Um, but stock Prado did everything without a drama. Um, I think because some of the Utes probably with a a fancier Ute would probably um, have more issues with um, out the weight on the back axle. So we certainly did. Yeah, I mean, Mick drums. Mick took his. Mm. That was his Mick. first trip to Fraser. He's never been before, um, and he had a what GWM Canon. I think he's got. He's, it's the second yeah. time he's driven on the beach. We did a, a quick recce to, to Braby one day and he got stuck. Um, and his is stock. He's got the stock wheels, stock tyres. He, and he did pretty well. I mean, I know he got stuck coming back over Nagala, but on the, way, on the way through to Sandy Cape, he didn't get stuck. He went straight through. So it just shows you don't need a yeah. $200,000 Land Cruiser with, with everything on it. If your tyre pressures are right and I don't know how to drive it, you're going to get through. Yeah. And when he got stuck, what, what did you, did you have to winch him out, or you dig him out, or what? What, what stuck? What did stuck oh, he, mean? It's a bit of pointing and laughing first, and his daughter <laughs> yeah, taking well, photos. Other than the fact that you know you go, oh, you drive a Japanese <laughs> Chinese trap out, and all that, all that stuff that has to happen when you actually get to the recovery point. What was the? Oh, recovery there were guys point up there with um, with recovery boards, um, and they just basically just dug the wheels out. And I mean, he was bogged. He was bogged up to the axles. 
we didn't come oh, up okay. and look. We we stayed on the beach and and, and laughed basically. <laughs> yeah. Had another beer. Oh, so oh, didn't there help were him. enough people up there to help them. There were people trying to trying to get them through. So yeah, they got the recovery boards out and basically dug some holes and 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 he basically managed to reverse out and then he got stuck again um, on the beach. Um, and then we just we just drove around That's him right. and, and went enough through. Um, but no, look, he he did really really well. But the, his second time ever driving on the beach, he did he did well. Really, really, really. Thanks. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't a. Um, it wasn't a scenario where you could just take your car up and drag someone back. Um, there are people coming both directions. You've got to be mm. mindful of all of that. Um, and you know, there was a crew of people there that were just. They just made a day of helping people out, which was yeah. fantastic. Um, it was all made. Oh, Steve. Steve. That's Steve. it. I, I owe Steve a BSD, I think. So that was a joke. Steve. Steve was standing on the sidelines. Telling everyone how they needed to drive, what the track, what tire pressure, what tire pressures, what yeah. this, what that. Cool. So Steve was a bit of a local legend. Steve, um, I was going to say, Steve's not his real name. We came up with that, by the way. Oh, Steve's <laughs> not his real name. Yeah, right yeah. We just made up, we made it up. Your real name. But there was a fair fair amount of shit going on over Nagala. When we got there, um, we ended up in a queue and waiting. What do you reckon? We waited two hours, hour and a half. Yeah, yeah hour and a half. Hour and a half to get over. Um, I was in front, and in front of me, a couple of cars in front of me. Someone had um, maybe listened to Steve's instructions and uh, got the tire pressure down too low and rolled the tire off the rim. Yeah, yeah. So they were well and truly stuck in there. Um, and I think they. <clears throat> Gee, that must have been down down in the single single digits to roll a tire off the rim. Oh yeah, well they were they were telling people to get it yeah. below ten. Was, yeah, it's anyone's oh, wow. going to, to nine. Yeah, they were saying nine ten. I went to 12 on the way back because it was really, it was high tide and it was almost to the point where you couldn't get much of a run up. You had to time the um, run up to get back onto Nagala with the waves because you were driving through that that sort of wash. Um, So I wanted to make sure we got through as quickly as Mm. possible. I wouldn't have liked to go down to 12, but certainly got across without the first time without any drama. So it's good. The way back. It was a, um, I can't remember what was stuck when we got there, but again, it was another two-hour wait. But, you know, if, for those that haven't been that, you know, think that that's a pain in the ass and, our oh, stuff it, we just won't do it. That's part of the fun. Yeah. You know, um, you know, we pulled up in the queue. There were heaps of people in front of us. Um, there were probably five or six cars that got bogged in front of us while we were waiting. The original one, um, instead of coming back and getting rizzed by whoever was Back on this side, um, they decided to go meter at a time with their max tracks. So they was going, oh, okay. yeah, and the, and it took them a couple of hours to get across. And that's what the big holdup was. <clears throat> if they'd come back and got some instruction, they might have been a bit better. But that's just the way it was. Um, the one thing I did notice this time, though, that people were far less interested yeah, in people. helping. Um, you know, there were people stuck, and people were, you know, the next person in line was more than happy to just let them be stuck and, and wait their turn. Whereas years gone by, the very next person would be the first person up there with the snatch trap to drag them back and try again. That just didn't seem to be happening this time. And maybe mm-hmm. it was just a couple of people in front of us were like that. Hopefully it's not turning into that sort of thing, but it's the way it was. But, um, you know, if you're going to go and do it, um, do it. But go prepared. If you've got kids, have stuff in the car, set up backyard cricket, kick a ball around. Like we had the ball being biffed around between, you know, mm-hmm. five five groups in cars, having a, having a bit of, bit of uh, a game of footy and, and whatever. and the time went by 
if you weren't mm. stuck in the queue, you'd probably be doing the same thing up the beach somewhere. So, you know, if you um, you do that, then you take the stress away, and no one's really worrying too much. Our, our main concern was that we were we were um, battling so a tide. We were running. We were running out of beach. It was every every time we went running forward, it was let's yeah. move a little bit closer. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's that's the trouble. Isn't it? That's the that's the real that's the real risk running out of beach. Yeah. I think one of the really interesting things this year compared to last year, Jono, was the the oh the current was crazy. That was ridiculous. We a lot of every other year we've done things like drone fishing, um, you know, live baiting and slide baiting and all those sorts of good fun things, but we just could not anchor even with multiple grapnel hooks on a single line anything out, you know, a hundred meters. You'd seriously <laughs> you'd drop it out and you'd just watch it come around. And you know, ten minutes later, it's you know, washing up on the um, the beach, which is not a very good place to catch fish. But um, that was the disappointment about the fishing part of it, I suppose. We yeah, still we still fish, caught fish, but, but we, we had goals like we did last year of targeting some bigger things. But um, the current skill is. And I know we spoke know to someone at the shop and at the shop at Orchid Beach, and they said that the wind had been blowing, you know, for a week before we got there. We had two days of that of that wind. Um, and I think it was just really that wind that just caused that current to come through. And it was really, really noticeable how the wind affected the fishing this year. Like last year, we, whenever we stopped and fished, I mean, we had a little bit of wind, but not much. But we ever, whenever we stopped and fished, we caught fish. Um, whereas this year, mm. we were the only... What was that? You had to, you had to yeah, hunt for them this year. Yeah. We really had to work hard on... Yeah. Yeah. And... It was like we'd be fishing at a spot and the wind would be blowing offshore and we'd be biting. The fish would be biting. We'd be catching, you know, every throw you're getting a bite, the wind would swing onshore and they would just go off the bite. Gone. Mm. That, yeah, that one evening. That it was, was crazy. Just, it, was, mm. it was bizarre. It was like everyone, there was like, you know, the traditional phrase, uh, you see 30, 40 people in a row. Shoulder to shoulder. Of stuff, shoulder to shoulder. And it just, it was like mm. someone turned the light off. As soon as that wind swung, you, you felt a change and the fish just went off the boat. Speaking of light. Um, still going. Still going. Endo, for the, for the listeners, you got to give you a light it's report. It's not too hot either. It has not changed from a lumen's perspective, based on my expert opinion, Ian, at all. Amazing! It's not that hard. You want me to say? <laughs> so that was a, a great report for people that can't see it. It's still bright. We'd even forgotten it's, it was it's, happening. It's still running at full power. That's full power too. Impressive. Huh. It is. I, I thought it'd be like six minutes at full power because I mean it, it's ridiculously bright. Hmm. Sorry, back to that. So, um, yeah, and we also found, you know, we went up and down the sections of beach that we we normally go and have a look at, and we just to start with couldn't get onto fish. And we were um, late in the season this time. We were, you know, um, all the reports on socials were saying that the the season had started and and basically finished. Um, and I guess I started to believe that until we finally got onto the spot that we got to, which was you know, right up at Nagala Rocks and um, finally started catching some fish, which was good, but it, it took a lot of effort. Will you get mainly Taylor or get mixed bag? Oh. I caught a first fish I think we caught was a dart. And, but oh, yeah. and the world's biggest flathead. Yeah. Yeah. 
Oh, <laughs> yes. Species <laughs> three. <laughs> yeah, true. So Zave got a flathead that was uh, probably, what, five mil long? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Tiny little tiny ones. On a hook about this big. <laughs> hook bigger than the fish, yeah. It was on a, it was on a treble. Came in, it was still translucent. Yeah. yeah. Dragged yeah. on the bottom, one. picked through, yeah. Um, but, it, but I mean, um, the other thing, uh, for those that haven't been up there, uh, Hendo, talk through the rigs and the baits and, and that sort of stuff. If you, if you haven't done it before, there's, there's really a, a pretty simple process to follow that we even adapted again this year, didn't we? Yeah, I mean, a lot of times we are targeting via the drone. Um, but because of the wind or the current this year, we just went back to a very centered setup, which is ultimately a two or three gang sitting at the end to hold a pilly uh, with a, a sinker. Um, we either use sometimes the grapnel sinkers just to hold in. Um, some people call them Sputnik ones. they mm -hmm. just got the little prongs on there, so they hold better in the sand. Um, sometimes they're good, but I think sometimes also the ball sinker, so there is a bit of movement uh, because the fish do, you know, you potentially you'll move into where the fish are rather than just hopefully have the fish come to you. Um, so it was pretty standard. I mean, and we were geared up fairly heavy for, you know, bigger fish. So we were running 45 or 55 sort of pound. That's why I would kill for any tailor. Um, you can mm. do 12 pound probably with a little bit um, heavier leader just because they do, they've got teeth on them. Um, I'd prefer not to run, but I think you were running a, um, a, a trace, a metal trace. Yeah, on I run a metal trace on one. Yeah, but you you caught as many or if not more fish than I did, so um, I just prefer to run sort of 50, 60 pounds sort of leader on there um, just to ensure that if they they don't take it clean on the hooks, you're not going to get bitten off. Um, I think the tip that people would need to understand, though, is if you're going to go and stand in the crowd, um, you know, during a, a really good session and you're wall-to-wall -wall people or shoulder-to-shoulder, -shoulder, you can't run a grapple sinker. Because the yeah. concept is that they throw a you know a running ball sinker with a bait on it and everything drifts together yeah. mm -hmm. like this. So yours is drifting, but so is everyone else's. If you go and anchor, then all of a sudden someone's going to drift over you, and then there's tangles and everything goes chaotic. Um, for the first few years, we were using those grapple sinkers, but we were because we were drone fishing, we were finding our own spot. You know, you'd find these big groups and you'd set up down further, and we'd drone baits out further and 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 target bigger fish. Um, we then found the crowds came in under us and it caused a bit of chaos, but by then we caught some fish and we were happy to pack up and, and take off and leave them to it. Um, this year, moving to that running ball sinker, yeah. um, it, it allowed us to play in the crowd a bit better. And that's what we had to do this time because it was really the only option. And so, Hendo, what rig, so explain the rig you're using for, you know, general beach fishing on tail, yep. or on Fraser for yep. tail. So big surf rod um, gives you better casting distance and you know you can get some pretty good standard sort of setups from your bcf or anaconda or whatever mm -hmm. um large reel for extra spool and again we use that more because we want to be able to then drone with the same rig um running probably be a 50 pound braid um okay. that's again for the bigger stuff if you were just targeting taylor you could go right down to something like 20 without any drama running ball sinker down to a swivel Swivel connected to a usually um, a leader, um, probably 50, 60 sort of pound, up to 80, depending on how the size of the fish, just so they don't bite you off. Um, and a three gang sort of hook with a pili on the end of it. 
it's very sort of traditional and a lot of people you know it's the the alvey reels that you see a lot of razor but you can do it just as well with a spinner or different types of ones so yeah so are you you guys using uh spinners or alvey's because you're talking spinners. about braid and i'm yeah. i mean i've still got a few alvey's but i've never put braid on alvey so are you using thread lines or yeah yeah spinners always yep. I've, I've had alvey's in the past and they're great because they're unbreakable in the surf and all that sort of stuff um i just find it's easier you get more control drag and that sort of stuff when you're trying to have a single setup to target multiple different species yeah. and that could turn from a you know 60 centimeter tailor into a um two meter shark um, sure. yeah so like yeah eight thousand size ten thousand size reels those kind yeah. of so, yeah. something that we can put comfortably you know five six hundred meters worth of um braid on it yeah so that that'd, really... that'd have to be a ten thousand you, you yeah. couldn't get an eight thousand even with even with the way how small oh, the diameter braid you still need some so that's a big that's a big reel yeah yeah when we're specifically buying we bought smaller reels to start with for our mm. casting rods and yeah. then we ended up upsizing the reels for our slide baiters yeah you know that's so a, the, that's the a, concept that's a... was to drop bait out i mean we've 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 done all sorts of crazy stuff mm. we talked about um, slide baiting out a can of cat food and stabbing holes in it so that you could leak it out and get the smell. You can yeah. still drag the can back in later, so that's all fine. Um, can, the idea of slide baiting is you anchor that big one out there, catch a tailor, hook it in behind the neck. Excuse me, hook it in behind the neck. Um, uh, Adam, who came on the um, the Operation Venison um, session with us, uh, is a is a pretty gun fisherman. And he gave us a few tips, and one of the tips was don't double hook your live baits. Mm. Uh, a lot of people will hook them through the, you know, behind the head and then through the tail just to keep them straight. He said that'll kill a tailor pretty fast. Um, so he said just hook it in behind the behind the head with a number ten hook, I think it was, yep. and um, and then just slide it down the line. So you just put it on a special thing so it can't come backwards, yep. and it just jigs itself down the line. And I think the first one of those we put out last year, John, you were uh, off for a <laughs> two kilometer run with a shark. Yeah, yeah, it just it happened like that. I was just, and off you went. That's it. And, that's you know, when you're weather. putting on a tail, which you'd be pretty happy most days to take home. I mean, this was this thing was 50 centimeters. We'd caught enough fish that we didn't need any more tail last year. And I remember I put it out, and I went back to grab my other rod to just cast some more. And my my rod that was sitting in the holder just went down to the sand and started getting dragged to the ocean. Um, we were camped probably about a kilometer up from the gully. Yeah. Mm. I think by the time you jumped in your car and found me, I was practically at Nagala um, with this poor tailor uh, just walking the beach. around <laughs> by a, quite a large shark. It was, um, yeah, it was good fun. Uh, mm. But, you know, that's the sort of stuff we're trying to target for some of that bigger So the, the drone will carry out a 50 centimetre tailor? No, no so the tailor goes out on the slide line. Mm. Oh, okay. Sure, yeah. I understand. So, so yeah. all yeah. we're dropping, so you're dropping out on the you're dropping line. the slide weight out, the and, you, yeah, and it's just going. Yeah, dip, dip, dip. yeah I understand. Yeah. Yep. So the drone could carry out about uh, 750 grams. Probably push your luck <laughs> if you had really good weather. Um, but that's a reasonable amount of lead mm. to be able to just anchor out 300 or 400 meters, and then just let the fish go and do its thing. Yeah, um, that was the concept. There was an, a wreck that we found, so we discovered it. We just we didn't discover the wreck, uh, well known wreck, <laughs> um, but we didn't know it was there last year. Uh, and it's right at the um, the northern entrance to Orchid Beach, um, uh, Orchid Beach Township. Just as you you get to the track that goes up to the township, 
300 metres offshore is a wreck, which would have been an awesome spot to drop baits onto because um, it would have had a bunch of reef fish and bits and pieces out there as well. Um, but again, the, the current just didn't make it work yep. for us this year, so we'll have another crash next, next year. So yeah. when you're when you're in the, the typical Fraser Island, Fraser Island stack for Taylor, and everyone's you know if they're doing if they're doing it right and they're all walking backward nicely when they hook up and you know sliding in and yep. out and everyone's yep. working together, are you still seeing a lot of alvies over there or is everyone into? Oh, it's a good it's a good mix. You know, um, the traditional Taylor fishermen will be using yeah. alvies. Um, I use an alvie mm. as my Taylor setup, so I've got an alvie rod, alvie reel with thirty pound. Uh, mono on it. I don't use braid on my LV. Um, with the traditional setup, with the the, the ball sinker down to a leader, I use. Um, I've got a steel tracer mine. Um, you don't really need it if you've got a strong, a good strong leader. Um, with the gang hooks that we use, I use either two gang or a three gang. Um, I, I think I probably would have got bitten off once or twice, um, but most of the time, a gang will suffice. Uh, but I like using the LVs. I think they're good fun. There's good control. Um, I have got. A, a big heavier setup that I use for the slide baiting, um, so that's really that's hooked up. I think I've got an eight and a half thousand uh, reel on that, and I've got about six hundred meters of braid, fifty pound braid on that with a nice big heavy leader. I don't think I don't even think I used it this year. That's a new rod. We just didn't have the opportunity this year. Um, I mean, I did a lot of tailor fishing. I fished every morning, every evening um, with the crowds up at at Nagala. Um, I'd say probably. It's probably a 60-40 split of LVs to to spinning reels. Um, a lot of guys were spinning this year. I found a yeah, lot of spinners. Uh, the one morning, but also a lot of spinners with um, sewing slugs. You know, which yeah. is something so, yeah, they were casting. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and the big thing that I noticed this this year was these guys came in. I think it was the second or third morning. We we're up in Nagala, and we were all catching fish. I mean, the, the fish were really the tailor were biting. These guys came in with these big um, lures. They weren't they weren't slugs. They were almost like big Rapala type lures, and they were mm. huge. They were really big, like this, and they were pink. And they were every every cast they were catching fish, and they were they were just walking in on top of us and just throwing catching fish, throwing catching fish. Um, so I need I think John, you went up and had a quick look at what they were. <laughs> I need to pop into the into the local tackle shop and, and try and identify them because they absolutely smashed the fish with them it was crazy but then i saw exactly the same guys one of the next mornings who then after 20 minutes changed yeah. to so it shows you how it changes so with it was the, was the big was the big lure with the small bib no they were hard bodies, no, these, they were hard bodies. Were... Yeah, yeah yeah but they have a small no. bib on them or a long no. bib. um i don't think they had much of a, a, a lip no. on them at all yeah It'd be almost what you'd use for Pretty much, yeah. yeah. It looked almost like that, and they were almost running yeah. those two singles. Um, yeah, like I was going to say, did they, did, were they running yeah. singles on them? Yeah. They I, were. Um, I caught if one, If I went out to the shed, I could show you one. Yeah. <laughs> Got a couple in the shed, yeah. I caught yeah, one, taylor with digging. It's still bright. Yeah. still bright. I know which one you mean. Do you want me to go get it? Here you go. Take your time. Uh, no, I'll, I'll leave the no, no, take it, take it so that we can see that the room actually goes dark when you remove the light. It still looks like the light's on above you. Yeah, well, it's because of the screen. Yeah. So I'll do this. Dude, they look like a bigger version of that. 
Yeah, that's got a bib at the front, hasn't it? No. So no, it's not they, not, they were like hard bodies. That would work. I reckon yeah, that would that, work. That's hard. So, yeah, so that's a hard. I just put a treble on that, but they came with two singles. They, they look, and again, I didn't get real close up to it, and Johnny, you might have seen better. You know what a blade is, Mark? Yep. Yeah, so they more, more look like a blade in terms of that thinner profile to me. Yeah. With, like I said, like a deep drop jig type sort of setup. But, mm-hmm. you know, I was just driving past trying to get an idea because um, they'd been sort of, John had told me how effective they were. So when I spoke to the guys, he said to me he went to Jones Tackle, Mark, your favourite fishing shop, Yep. and said, what's going to catch Taylor? Yep. And he said, you need to buy these. And apparently they were $50 each because he told me specifically they were $50 each. And they absolutely killed the Taylor on that, that morning. I know a day or two later they didn't work, but... I think that's when the wind swung and it was really getting tough. I don't think much came out after that. But certainly that morning they killed the fish. Yeah. yeah. I think so they're, yeah, they're, they're really not much of a diver at all. They, they, oh, um, look, there wasn't much water shallow. when we were fishing. Yeah, that's it. So they, they'd have either no bib or hardly any bib on them. Yeah. So hardly going, you know, they wouldn't dive at all. And we were, I think we were fortunate enough morning and evening were high tides progressively getting oh, later during the day is, so that was that that's nice most mornings we'd be up you know four thirty five o'clock latest and then on the beach um for the high tide and that was a really productive session and then by the last night it was sort of high tide was a couple of hours after dark so it was getting a bit tougher um but it was quite the, the we had a pretty good weather not weather but tide window i think for most of the stay we're over there with that morning morning bite which was good yeah the mm. only thing about that was when we decided we want to go up to santa cape and fish the gutter at, right at the point um <laughs> there was no water there was no water like we, we had this experience twice while we were there last time yeah. we went uh, we went up there we got up the top went early morning and we we waited for tide high tide to come and go well high tide had gone this time so when we got up there, it was low tide and it was just a it was just a sand flat. Mm. It was um, quick sand and you know little little pools it was of great water. For the, kid, again, the kids absolutely the kids loved, loved it. it. Yeah, loved it. Yeah, they were they were in the water. They were in these little pools of water and finding crabs and all sorts of stuff. So they had a great time. And it was the same when we 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 went over to the west. We were raving about how amazing it was <laughs> over was funny, it, wasn't it? with Thumba. Uh, you know, it's beautiful white sands and crystal clear water. And we get over there yeah. and it's a mud. But like, <laughs> Because if the tide was out, we had a completely different experience. But again, you know, kids being kids, they're like, "Oh, cool mud." Oh, oh we're we, going to find crabs the, and yeah, the all sorts kids of were chasing the soldier crabs um, on the and then yeah. when the yeah. tide started coming in, they built a big dam and it was awesome. Like no matter what the tide was, the kids just had fun and we just waited until the evening and then we went fishing. So it was a, yeah. it was yeah, it was so, really good. I mean, you guys have been talking about you know, Ian, you were saying like get there and, and have a go. So if someone's listening, they want to have a go. So explain, I mean, explain your, the, you know, the setup you guys take, vehicles and things like that. Yeah, so um, every year it gets better and better and, you know, you add to it, right? So what we've got now is not necessarily what you need. But um, um, using John's uh, Prado as an example, we were saying before, it's a bog standard Prado, bought for this purpose. You know, John started coming hunting, you know, a few years ago and 
Uh, we've been going up to Fraser a little bit and um, even out to Bribie drone fishing. And, you you know, you were always in, in my car and you decided it was time to be a bit more self-sufficient so you could go when I didn't want to and take your girls and all that sort of stuff. So um, picked up the Prado and, the, and, the, and and it's a champion of a vehicle. Like it's got plenty of space and does its thing. But um, maybe run through the mods that you put in it for this trip because it's its first trip up. We've done a few little modifications, not to the car itself, but to accessorise, um, just to make things function for us. Um, I think first purchase was probably Max Tracks and you know a recovery kit for a snatch and a few sort of recovery points. Um, everyone should have them. Hopefully, you never use them. Um, but internally, I think the main thing because I wanted to put a fridge in it as well was having a second battery system. Um, that was pretty simple to do. I, I like doing that sort of stuff myself because then if anything breaks, I know generally where to look. Um, so I've got a just a um, DC converter that runs into a second battery, sits in a battery box. So it's then easy with an Anderson plug to just take it in and out of the car if I don't need it. Or as we used um, the battery box to run sort of the, the camp shower one night, just easy to sort of move. Um, I think that sort of set up is really beneficial because we're up there for six nights um having the ability then to you know charge it as we drove around or plug in a um, solar blanket um, to be able to keep that topped up because i ran a fridge um as a freezer for all of our stuff we wanted to keep frozen ian ran a fridge as a fridge uh, which just meant we had um last night's frozen pizzas for dinner for example it was pretty easy from a food perspective um otherwise it's pretty stock standard, other than I did also put a Topro um, on it, just so if it was in the scenario, for example, if Ian couldn't, and I just, you know, want to tow him out one day or tow his camper out if he gets stuck or something like that. Plus, I've got, you know, from a non-camping side, there's a few times when I want to be able to, you know, carry some things behind where you want those electric brakes and stuff like that. But otherwise, you know, it's fairly stock standard other than the last row of seats have been taken out. So uh, most Prados are seven seats. Um, I don't need that. I wanted the storage space. So rip those last ones out. And there's just a sort of box where I've got a, um, you know, pretty standard King's draw set um, on one side, um, which the fridge sits on top. And the other side's just storage. So other than that, mate, a um, few little things like a compressor. Um, but again, we're talking a $90 compressor, which has worked for four or five years now without any sort of drama, um, that recovery sort of stuff. Um, and some, some basic things like first aid kit, just to, it's on hand, a few sort of tools. So you can do some basic troubleshooting things like, um, you know, a voltmeter or, um, a test light or something like that, if you need to, um, some pretty basic stuff. Um, I'm not a, I'm not a mechanic by any means if it's, past a certain point I, I, I call in the experts but you know just basic sort of stuff and I've done Fraser um, with it and all the way through Nagala run up to Sandy Cape and never even thought about having a problem right and what about your you so your camp setup um I'm fortunate that most of the time I am with Ian which is means I've got access to a kitchen um, in the camper trailer so I run a instant <laughs> machine yeah coffee machine whatever That's I need right. But I honestly, it's a instant up um, four-person tent. Um, this year I, up, I I bought a new one because the other one just 
you know, died after many years of use in different sort of abusive ways um, to one of the blackout ones, uh, which was quite good for some of those occasional mornings where we did sleep in and didn't do that early morning fish. Um, <laughs> blow up. No, we agreed that last one, one morning, morning I didn't, didn't. But the last morning, the last morning we all agreed to have a sleep in. Uh, Ian didn't come any morning, so you can't He did really... one morning. Two mornings. Two mornings. Two mornings, two mornings he did. Two mornings. I had, a, yeah. I had a five-year-old boy that didn't want to get out of bed, and I couldn't just leave him there for the dingoes to chew on. So he was a he was a trooper. He really was. He was a trooper, but I, I I made a deal with him that um we would go every second morning. I was just deflecting was- from Jono, so it's all right. It worked. Uh, um, but to answer your sort of question, Mark, inside the tent, literally, I chuck a bag of clothes. I've got a blow-up mattress that I, you know love sleeping on to be honest um some basic bedding a, a um a um sleeping bag that will do me for over the top and sort of warm nights at fraser or in the um maybole um, camp at you know negative two so pretty basic sort of stuff um because i'm fortunate enough to have some of those sort of other amenities um, that ian brings with the camper and i think um the yep. the um the the thing maybe not to skimp on too much um, in in your scenario is um, that solar blanket. Yeah. Like, don't go too small. Um, you know, the, the, the solar is what you need for keeping your fridge charged. Yeah, it gets a charge off the car, but some days you're not going that far. So um, making sure you've done your calculations on solar and you've got enough of it. Um, apparently, and I haven't verified this, can't just buy two of them and plug them in together. Two solar controllers in the same circuit don't do good things to each no, other. You apparently, you can you can um, you can string together multiple panels into one controller. You can't run two controllers at the same time. Yeah, well, look at you, look at your house roof. Um, you can have multiple panels across multiple arrays, but you still have a single inverter. The same scenario, right? So, um, but yeah, I mean, you are keeping. What size is your fridge? 45, 40 40 something like that. So you can't. And you kept it running at minus 14 for a week. Yeah. You're saying you can't run two controllers in series. So you could have two two panels or two blankets connected to a single controller. Well, no, no, no. That's right. You can't have you can't have controllers running in series. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure what you break, but you break stuff. But to be honest, rolling out a one of those fold out 300 watt or 250 watt sort of uh, blankets chucking in the sun during the day when we weren't out um, never had to really worry about. So I had a um, a 300 watt blanket. I was actually testing it um, and I was hitting an average 250 to 260 watts that I was pulling through that blanket. Pretty amazing, eh? That is a massive amount of power to be. So, are you in. charging your battery, or no? You so, just I've got isolating I've got a camp- battery. Are you isolating your battery whilst whilst you're running off? So, I've got solar. two AGM hundred amp hour batteries in my camper trailer, and then I charge that when I'm driving. I charge that through a DC DC um, controller. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, yeah. when we set up a camp, I've got a three hundred watt blanket that I then plug in, and I've got a MPTT controller. That then charges those batteries during the day. 
Okay. During the day, I'm run, I'm in my so, camper. I'm running. I've got a 75 liter dual zone that I've actually got a fridge and freezer that we're running. Um, so we run one as one half as a freezer, one half as a fridge. Plus the kids are charging iPads. We're you know running lights in the evenings, and I didn't run out of power. But that 300 watt blanket makes a big difference. That yeah. is the difference because you wouldn't be doing that without the blanket. Um, and I'm the same. I've got two 120s in the camper, and I've got a small solar panel um that just keeps them topped up during the day uh i'm not isolating the batteries mark to answer your question i'm feeding the batteries mm -hmm. all so, the time yeah, and drawing right. at the same you know so it's so all, yeah so you've got you can draw as well as charge yeah. at the same yeah. time yeah 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 so I, all, all you got to do with these things is i just um i just plug the solar panel into the anderson plug that is the what i would normally plug into the car when we're driving um it just plugs in there there's other spots to plug it in but that's where i put it um, I have I run I don't use my camper to run my fridge. I keep the fridge in the car, so I've got a spare battery box set up the same as what Hendo was talking about. Um, and this year, um, I mounted a, a solar panel on the roof rack. That's the first time I've done that. I've always wanted to have it like that, um, just because. Uh, well, usually I'm lazy when I get back to camp and I can't be bothered doing stuff. So I crack a beer and sit down and have a laugh, and all of a sudden I've wasted three hours of sunlight that I haven't pumped through a solar panel so um i wanted it fixed and plugged in all the time and and, and again um we had one day where we had an issue um with not quite enough power into the battery didn't stop the fridge but we noticed it was getting down and uh, that was just because i had the plugs around the wrong way and fixed that up pretty quickly one of the things we have been using um are the little uh, battery power meters that um you connect up to your battery and then you yep. can monitor what's going on on an app on your phone. So just Bluetooth to your phone, you can see um, how much input's going in, and you can see how you know what the health of your battery is. It can send you alerts if you've got problems. Um, my battery box has got a monitor on it, so I can just look in the boot and I can see it. Whereas Hendo's doesn't have that, so it's solely reliant on this app to know what the battery health was looking like. Um, yep. So that's a that's a really handy little little thing. I think you can pick them up. At, PCFs and places like that um, for under a hundred bucks, and they just connect onto your battery. I think they're oh, great. I think it's. I think mine memory from super cheap was like forty bucks. I think and my fridge actually can talk to yeah, my phone. Yeah, my fridge can, so I can mine. monitor. Yeah, yeah. So, so I yeah. just yeah. jump straight in. Mm -hmm. But I yeah. I run in the back of the truck. I run everything through a um a dedicated box, and it's got a battery. It's got a monitor on that, so the. Yeah, so wherever it plugs in is there's yeah. a monitor there, and it's quite a you know it's a nice bright. And of course, the, the fridge itself has got the the readout on it, but there's a monitor on that, so you can tell what your voltage is at. And the fridge you can also set um, to trip, so it won't you know you can say don't draw below twelve volt. So the the fridge won't draw, won't flatten things. The fridge will yeah. actually go into hibernate or turn off mode. Um, so it won't flatten your batteries, which is really because you know with the uh, my old one, you, you know, you basically eventually you'd flatten the battery, you'd run it out. Yeah, yeah. But this one, this one, the fridge, you can set it. Don't go below twelve. So, yeah. So yeah, you can get some pretty elaborate battery setups. Yeah, I'd love yeah. to do more, but at the end of the day, I, I run the fridge. Um, mm. it connects to solar and it connects to the alternator. And I've got spare ports to run other things. It does it really well. Um, the yeah. size of the boot and the patrol, um, it's so big that I can put the fridge 
you know, once the fridge is in on the fridge slide, I've got room for the battery box behind yep. still. Yeah. So it just yeah. packs away nicely. Mm. <laughs> it does everything I want it to do. So I wouldn't change much of that. There's a few other luxuries that you can get that certainly help, um, you know, getting a good tire pressure um, gauge and system just for deflating and inflating is really handy. Mm. Um, we ended up buying some of those little gimmicky things. You see them on um, Facebook all the time or, or wherever it is that you muck around on socials. The little devices that you just screw onto your um, the valves and they're preset to yeah. whatever PSI you want. Um, I run awesome. those. They're great. You know, you can just run around and put them on and, all of yeah. a sudden, you're down to you know 20 psi, yeah, and you're off. The, the, the little deflators yeah, you set. Yeah, you get stored ones. You get a couple of other brands, but they work. They're brilliant. Yeah, I've, got, I've actually got some really good ones that I got years ago. That you know, you set them to 14, and yep. then you just screw them on, and everything goes down. But Jono, what was that digital thing you were running around? Was that, that yours was mine. Or mixed? Yeah, yeah, just because yeah, that that's this is a digital awesome. tire pressure gauge. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It didn't deflate. What John was doing was he was, he was putting it up and measuring it and then sticking his finger on the valve and oh, letting no, it down. I've, it looked like I've it was got, doing it all. I've got one that's like a stopwatch. Yeah, that's got a manual gauge yeah. on it. It's not digital. Oh, okay. No, it's yeah. a digital. I don't have that. It's a digital and it's just got a little, it's got a bleed yeah. valve. No, this doesn't have a bleed valve. You can put it on and just watch it go. Yeah, I thought you were actually going and saying, okay, I want this 12 psi. Just put it on. It just comes. Yeah. I've got the the mechanical, Storm 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 Yeah, I've got them. Storm brand, the little mechanical ones. And you just literally go to, you know, go to your mechanic, say, set these at 14 pounds for me. And PSI, sorry. That's what I use. And then they're set. And you just screw them on and it all goes down. Yeah. And certainly having a compressor was a good idea yeah. uh, because, you know, when you run up over Nagala, um, you know, there were people dropping them below 10. I think we had, a lot of us had them around 16 or something like that running up and back. But you don't want to be running down the hard sand, no. you know, at 12 PSI. So, you know, you pull it over, you're getting those compressors out, you're pumping the tyres back up again. There are people that won't, won't do that. And there'll be people that tell us they don't bother. But... The tires aren't cheap, and no. you know, looking after them, you don't want to roll them off off rims and things like that. So, I'm um, having that. I'm lucky enough that I um, installed a compressor in the car. Um, it runs the airbags, so I can when I'm towing, I can pump the airbags up to suit the whatever I'm towing. Um, but as a byproduct of that, I was able to to put a an output so that I had an. Just carry some extra extra fuses. Um, <laughs> yeah, I blew a fuse. Oh, yeah. How much? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Get this. Yeah, there's not not that I want to bag um, the shops over on Fraser. They do a bloody awesome job at keeping things stocked up. There is there is a thing called Island Tech um, uh, because things got to get freighted up there. But mm-hmm. um, I think a, a, a what is it a forty amp fuse? You could buy a packet of four of them. What do we see? Four yeah, of them for like eight like bucks. Yeah. Oh. I paid I paid for twenty one. bucks for, for one. One. Um, for one. <laughs> um, they had they they got you. They know <laughs> and they asked for a bag. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. When you finish, going back. <laughs> so, you you do pay the tax, and mm-hmm. and to that point, I was on the Fraser site today, and people were like, "Oh, I want to do this, this, and this. Will I use a tank of fuel, or do I have to take fuel? Because um, I don't want to pay the price." I'm like, "Yeah, it was three hundred and oh, sorry, three hundred three dollars. Three it was three forty for diesel. Forty. Yeah. It was three twenty for ninety five unleaded." There you go. But it, but, um, on the fuel it's, worth it. it's worth it's worth just 
just pay for it. Like it's it's such a a minor increase in cost on the scheme of your whole holiday. You're not going to be carrying fuel around, spilling stuff. You're not going to get sand in your tank. Just don't muck around with it. It's so much easier just, just to buy. It. Just to jump in, and you you guys were both carrying trailers, so you feel filled up. To give you an idea, like I said, by stock Prado, no extended oh, yeah. tank or anything like that. I filled up at Rainbow before we left. I did the entire island with everything we did. I didn't go. I jumped in Ian's car when we crossed to Wathumba, but we did a bunch of day trips. We did up through Nagala, um, up to the Cape, all the way back. I then drove back to Toowoomba. I actually filled up the first time yesterday since we went, guys. Yeah, but that's, back for two weeks. That, that's not that's for the, two weeks. That, for a week. Prado's running what 120 tank because Prado's yeah, have a big tank. Yeah, diesel. that's a big tank. But I mean, that's know, almost <laughs> twice. As, that's a bit more, well, not exactly, but that's nearly twice the size of you know what mm. Jono runs, for instance. But there was that many equivalent cars up there, and you know, for people out there who do have those sorts of size tanks, I didn't. I mean, you'd still potentially be able to do it on a tank without too mm. much drama, if you're worried about spending 350 bucks on you know fuel and stuff like that. But I agree still with Ian. You're there and you've just got to... If you don't support those local stores, they're not going to be able to survive. They're going to go away. They'll go away. We bought fuel. We put in 100 bucks, I think, or 120 bucks. No, we probably put in about $200 worth of fuel on the island because we we needed to. We were towing a camper trailer. We did lots of day trips. But I wasn't going to carry, you know, 50, 100 100 years of fuel off with me. I just put it on the island. You've already had... We've already had spillage problems on these trips, John. I imagine if it was fuel and not your dunny. <laughs> yes, we. Yeah. I probably so, bought two hundred dollars on ice creams. So yeah, that's right. I was saying to I was saying to Hendo uh, one of the days. I said, imagine if you did a. How funny it would have been if you did a P and L uh, on your holiday, and uh, one of the highest items on the list was ice cream, yeah. because at eight dollars each. And a, and a fairly See, healthy six-year-old that was demanding them, you know. Their and back. <laughs> fairly frequently. So what you're saying, if you really wanted if you really wanted to f- have fast savings, you've got to, you would have gone to Hendo. Before you come up, turn the freezer on, go to Coles, buy four packs of drumsticks well, and stick we them took, in your freezer. We took, you, would have, you would have saved a we truck took a pack of money. Of, we, I, could have, yeah. I could have made money, Mark. Okay. That's right. You could have said, uh, yeah, it's five bucks. I'll cut. Oh, I'll oh, eight bucks at the shop. <laughs> That's what I mean. You get to pull out the side of the shop and cut them out. Well, we, took a, we took a pack of Zupa Dupas in our freezer and the kids, <laughs> and I think all of us had Zupa Dupas yeah. when we were setting up camp and when we were packing yeah. down camp because, well, we could keep them yeah. frozen and how refreshing. And the kids loved them. They come back from a hot day on the beach to have a nice cold yeah. Zupa Dupa. Got a freezer and a good battery system, you can do it. Zip. Yeah, yeah, that's the point, right? A few luxuries, and you have a, a an excellent experience. You don't have to want for much. Yeah. And talking about the tech and camp, um, shout out to our buddies at uh, Frontier Voice and Data here in Toowoomba. They came along with us. Um, so by the time we'd set up camp, we had Delphi Goes humming and Starlink antennas up, and everything was everything was going. We could talk to anyone. Uh, most importantly, the Rugby World Cup's been on, so we we're pretty keen to tune into that. Um, but yeah, it was a, um, it was pretty good. When you've got a Chromecast in camp, oh, we had we had a movie up a on the side bit. of the yeah, we had a movie game for the kids. Yeah, the yeah. projector on the projector. Yeah. It was awesome. Yeah. Um, the other thing, if, you know, while we're talking about gear, um, people worry about again their cars and whether they're capable. One of the most common questions you see on the pages is. I've got a bog standard, whatever. Can it make it? At the end of the day, if you've got a 
you know, a, a four-wheel drive type vehicle, you know, be it a ute or a Prado or, or bigger, they're going to do it stock, no problem. Um, if you're worried about tyres, um, I think road tyres do it better than any other tyre. You don't have to worry about getting all terrains or any of those sorts of things. They just dig you into holes. Yeah, if you've got them, fine, don't change them off. But, um, you know, John, you had road tyres. Um, they're probably nearly at the end of their life, road tyres. And they are, they, well, they were fine. They they don't dig in, so they don't get you bogged. So pretty much the stock family the uh, vehicle is going to do it. Well, um, do you remember the car that I bought up two or three years before that? My granddad's yeah. 1982 Nissan Pathfinder. Yeah. And didn't get bogged once. I dragged you, as I remember, out of a hole when you had your Ranger. Well, that was on Bribey, not Fraser, but, you know. There's a lot of capable cars. It's um yeah, as hard as people think. I think tight, you know, it's, it's sand. Tight pressure is everything, you know, because all you you're just increasing your footprint. That's all it does. It just makes the tire wider. It's less likely mm. to dig in in terms of weight distribution. But I think that's important in because you know the trouble with Fraser is one, it's a fair way away, so it's you know mm. it's 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 a journey in itself, and you know the whole socials are there's you know. I got bogged. Three people out. I got bogged at Inskip Point. You oh, know? Don't get us started on that one. And it's just, it just, it, you know, there's just, just this continuous twenty-four loop of people getting stuck there at Inskip Point. So I think that you know that puts the puts the frighteners in people. But you know, it's generally when when you're on the beach, you know, it's it's the transition points where you get stuck. Once you're on the hard pack, you know. Oh, and if you get if you get the tides right as well, like we were driving on solid. Yeah. yeah. Solid yeah, road. it's like a road. But conversely, you get those wrong and you're in a world of pain. Oh, yeah, well. You're going to be in a world of pain. So there's three things. That the sea, I, does, the know, sea is not, not particularly forgiving no, not, of your... it's not your friend. Um, <laughs> there's it, three no. things that, that, that make your driving easier. We've talked about pressures. Pressures is absolutely number one. Momentum's mm. really important. Um, and patience is the mm. other one. Just be patient. You know, you don't need to... You don't need to be cutting people off. You don't, you know, on the way out at Inskip Point, it was just how many cars were waiting? Mm. Barges full. Barges full. You know, 100 plus cars sitting there waiting to get through um, just because what had happened was when you come out, it comes down to close two lanes. But Mm. some people had parked there and half blocked one of the lanes. So people were coming down people were going out and they were having to stop and give way. And when they were stopping, they got bogged down. Yeah. And then of course there's lots of cars. So people were taking both tracks to go out and they were bottlenecking here. And there were cars still coming this way, trying to get the last ferries onto the Island. It was a patience thing. But the hardest thing about all of that Nagala and at Inskip is there's no common radio channel sign no. to say, Hey, get on this channel. Um, you know, I had a chat to uh, one of the guys at the council once and said, why don't you just put a sign up? That says travel you know, twenty six or something. Yeah, use, use channel forty, um, and I think the main reason for that is if they start to put signs up telling people uh, what channel to be on, they're assuming some sort of responsibility for what happens. Which not everyone has one. No, they don't. But most it's people, a, it's one of those sorts of things, though. In terms of if you can get one, if you're in a group, Jesus makes a difference. You know, oh yeah, just yeah, the coordination, yeah. shit talking as well. Um, yeah, well, I mean, I I still run CBs in four wheel drives, and because 
Um, and we use it whenever we go out west because we talk to other vehicles. You know, I'm not talking to, you know, we're not smoking the bandit type thing. We just, you know, there's a road train or there's a farmer moving a huge piece of machinery. You, you, you actually communicate with that person. You know, yeah, come on through, guys. You come. That's that kind of thing. And so it's, it's, strange, it's strange that, that there isn't an agreement of, you know, if you're on Fraser, beyond 40 or 26 or something like that. Mm. Yeah, yeah. It's a bit it's a bit of a shame because it would make things a lot smoother. Mm. You just call um, people through. Yeah, yeah, I'm clear, come through type thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, the other thing that I'll say, and we've, we've, we've mentioned this more than once, and that is how much easier it was having the Zolio two-way mm, communicator absolutely. again. Mm. Definitely. Um, different purpose this time. Last time we were using it for mapping. This time we used it a little bit for maps. Um, coming back along the beach in the dark, you know, you've got no idea where your camp is. And being able to just, you know, have that pin on the on the, the Zolio made things really easy. Um, and a lot of the places that you go up there, you don't have service coverage. So we can keep in contact with each other. We split up um, uh, right at the beginning. We ended up on the first barge. Um, heading over and um, Jono and family, I think they might have been about to get out of bed as we I drove was past. A, I was out of bed. The family. Uh, that, that uh, morning was, I was out of bed. The family wasn't. You had to yeah. manage your family. I get it. It's all right. Um, the girls like to sleep in, and um, so we were we were off and running well before these guys, um, but we could see mm. where each other were on the map. I knew that he was in the queue at Inskip. I knew he'd managed to get through Inskip because I could see he'd moved past that point. Mm. You know, I, I didn't have to worry about it. I, I didn't have to think, oh, I wonder if he's made it, any of that sort of stuff. It was just easy to watch. I knew when he was on the barge. I knew he was catching me up. We were driving at 60. Had a couple of new fellas behind us that weren't too comfortable on the sand. John, I was obviously pushing along a bit faster than that, and he managed to catch up nearly. Um, and then when we found camp, we found camp first. It's not easy to find a camp for that many people, but when we found one, we were able to just say, hey, just come to this point. We've found a camp for everyone. And it just takes all of that stress away again. So, yeah, it was really yeah, really it was like there. I mean, we were so we were driving up. We got across. We we left probably what half an hour, forty five minutes. I think we were probably on the third or fourth barge over, um, and then we were driving up along the beach, and I could see that Ian actually messaged me saying that they had stopped at. I think he stopped at Yurong or something like that to grab some breakfast. Yeah, yeah. and um, yeah. so we were driving along, and I could see that we we're only, and I could calculate we were probably between between twelve. And 18 minutes behind him because I could see the number of because we had a six minute uh, cook um, breadcrumb going, so I could see we were, mm. and he was mm. two breadcrumbs ahead of me, so I knew that was six minute intervals. So we were between um, 18 and 12 minutes behind him, which we you know we could and I could see that we were, we were cruising up, but then we stopped the mahino um, and had you know the kids wanted to have a look around and get some photos and Mick had never seen it before and things like that, and but I could track where we were in relation to Ian, and then we stopped at I think. Um, we stopped at Rainbow and you carried on. You said, I've dropped a pin. This is where camp is. We literally came down the hill, drove along the beach. I could see me coming up to the pin and I could stop. And there's Ian waiting over there. And he said, here we go. There's camp. It was it was awesome. It was really, really good. Mm. If you're on the sidelines, go to the website. Click on it. Don't have a look at it. Buy one. There's so many people getting them now. It's great. Like lots of yeah. people are messaging now saying, got Mazzaglia and, and we're off and running. It's great. I think it's. I think it's a, a really great evolution of um, communication and... and um, still going. Yeah, that's unreal. Mm. Anyway, uh, last subject on Fraser, I think, dingoes. Mm. Kendo? 
Um, we've been five years in a row and I think, and I don't know why, but this year was very different from a dingo perspective. A um, lot more, no sort of in bad incidents where I think we were worried about it, but we certainly had lots of visits. Um, I think, lots Jono, the amount of stuff they managed to get in, I mean, you wouldn't think they'd be able to get into a Dometic um <laughs> You know, cool box, but they apparently huh. learn how to open them. Yeah, they uh, open the rubber tabs and flip yep. them over and hook mm. in. Yeah. They were no, jumping on tables. Mail. They were jumping on. Um, yeah. You had them jump on your swag to, get, swag on, to yeah. get up on the back. I of had. Yeah. I had one. You know, you know these big off-road campers. Often you see them. They've got two big spare wheels on the back. I had them up on the top of those spare wheels. Mm. With a trench. Um, like they, mm. they know what they're doing. And um, this is the first year we'd actually seen someone yeah. in trouble. Jono and I, we did a morning fish and we're coming back and you're in front of me and I remember you started pulling off to the left and slowing down and we saw these two um, ladies. And they were doing all the right things. They had the, the sticks, so uh, in, a, in a pair, they weren't running, but they were actually bailed up to probably knee height in the ocean with this dingo, also, you know, fairly deep in the water, approaching them. Um, where you, you know, beat the horns and sort of drove towards them and, you know, moved to move the dingo on. And um, I gave the girls a drop uh, lift home because they were just up the beach, but I'd never seen anything like that. Um, so obviously whatever's changed on the Island around their natural sort of food or the amount they've got there, it's, it's very different. And then we've had dingoes in camp before, but they were every night trying to get into stuff. Everyone had an incident where they managed to get into a box or a, a bin or or whatnot. We were being mm-hmm. really careful. We were bagging oh, our yeah. rubbish, taking it away from camp every time we left. Mm-hmm. You know, at night time, we were taking those bags, putting them on the back of the ute, closing them up. We were never leaving that stuff out. But for them to be able to flip the tabs yeah. on an esky and run off with my bag of potatoes, yeah, we had just not we right. had one actually open a jar of Nutella. <laughs> Yeah, stole a um, yeah. sack of onions, didn't eat them, but stole them and ate a, ate a box of uh, Nutri-Grain. Nutri-Grain. Yeah, bread. Mm. They like the bread they got out of Phil's camp. Um, they got selective, though. They stole our... Um, our bread from a few days ago that was a bit stale and they didn't bother eating all that. Well, we had one steal yeah. a bag of um, pellies. They managed to open open the esky, get their snout, and actually open the esky, grab a bag of pellies and, and run off with it. They, they're, they're smart. But this is but this is 9 o'clock at night. We're sitting, there's four of us sitting around in camp having a beer. Your camp was like mm. 10 metres away from where we're sitting. And we heard this noise and then you shine across and there's literally this dingo with a bag of pillies stolen out of an icebox that was closed, mm-hmm. running away. Um, on yeah, the U. On the U. Yeah. Don't, you can't, I mean, from a, I don't worry about them too much, um, but, you know, you've always got to be sort of wary, but, um, you know, just, we were doing, like you said, everything right. Um, but that, you just got to be, you know, put everything away and put something heavy on it. Yeah, or ratchet yeah. straps oh, yeah, around take, your start taking lock. Well, that, well, well, we had a yeah. we had a lockbox of the food, um, which is what we did, which is a new one this year, which worked. You had, but you can't have these little rubber latches. You got to have proper. No, I was thinking like you know the pelicans yeah. that have the, yep. the, yep. the yep. metal levers. Yeah. And, if, and, 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 it, and if you do take something like a um a rubberized one, you need to get uh, a some kind of reopenable actually 
I'm just thinking of just throwing a heap of them out because we had them in the cupboard. You know those things that used to have for um, kids to stop them from oh, opening the kids cupboards. Oh, things. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 yeah all all I did was put a ratchet strap on the on the bait box so they couldn't open it. That's yeah. what I did after they saw yeah. the fillies. Yeah. You had one chew up your fishing reel, didn't you, Hinder? I know. Yeah. I mean, I don't know why, but on one of the reels that we left out, we decided to chew the handle off it. Guess it it's probably like smelled like fish, it. mate. Probably hey? smell like smell like smell probably like bait. But- Anyway, we had um, lots of dingo encounters, lots of good ones, like the skyline mm. ones on the sand dunes and things like yes, that. There's some cool. pretty epic views of, of things. Oh, and the other thing um, this year, the whales. <laughs> Everywhere. The whales were spectacular. Yeah, cool. I've never seen such a display. Yeah, so normally you see them breach and smash down in the water. Um, you know, we had them with their tails up in the air, waving and splashing. We figured that they were um, smacking schools mm. of fish or something. It's sort of what we thought it was, you know. Um, lots of big, long um, side fins, footers, whatever you want to yeah. call them. Waving, like just yeah, lots of really cool displays Pl- of whales. Plus, and we heard that close. one calling. Do you remember up at the Cape? We actually yeah. heard one. We were yeah. on the shore, and we could. There was one. Mm. There was a bit of a reef a couple hundred meters off, and yeah, we could actually hear the whale calling. It was or singing, yep. whatever. And- and both on the east and west hand side, I've never seen them across on the west. And that yeah, was pretty that was cool. cool. The one across at Wathumba that was out there, or a couple of them out there playing for mm. a good ten minutes. I mean, you're talking breaching, slapping tails, and all that sort of stuff. For for, and they're not that far away. Um, that was pretty special. Some of that sort of mm. stuff it was really cool. That was good. Yeah. So if you're thinking about it, Fraser's a good place to go. Good family mm-hmm. thing. If you've got any questions about it, sing out. Um, more than happy to help. We'll, we may not be going next year because we're going back to the Territory. So uh, it may be a year off. We'll see. We'll try and I'm squeeze still going to try and squeeze in next year. Yeah, I'll do my best. We've got to organise a bribey trip soon, guys. So Yeah, that sounds like a good idea. Mm. Yeah. Well, if anyone wants to learn how to drone fish, come along for a bribey day. I don't, I don't, have, a, I don't have a drone fishing rod and reel, but I could in 10 minutes I could have one. <laughs> No, I've got the gear. I just haven't got it set up for that. But that wouldn't be hard to. Yeah, are you using, when you drone fish, are you still using surf rods or are you gaining surf smaller rods? Surf rods. rods? No, surf, surf rods. Oh, well, I don't even worry about that. I've got, Mark, I've got... I can turn your normal rig into a drone um, yeah. set up in about two minutes. Yeah, well, I've got, I've got three or four, you know, from 10 foot six up to 13 foot with 8,000 steel. Yeah, yeah. The reason we're trying to get the, we want the height above the waves because the waves ultimately. I'm thinking of bribey. Yeah. I'm thinking of bribey. Yeah. Well, we'll throw this out there. If you're you're interested in um, coming for a drone fish and a Mm. day on bribey, um, jump on the website, go to the contact section, flick us a message. We'll put you on the list. Yeah. And um, if you want to come down for the day and, Get your car bogged and hey, if, you, if, if, you, if you time if you time bribe right, it's, it's actually you got to try hard. Mm, you'd be surprised how many people get, get stuck. Bogged, oh no! That, at yeah. that churn there, you off. That's where you yeah. see the bog there at that churn there. You know where you when you when you literally come off the off the road. Yeah, that's often where you see the. Um, and I haven't seen too many people bogged on the inland track. It's it's hard. It gets soft. Up there. It goes off, but you seem to you don't seem to get people it. get bogged. I've seen it's kind of I've seen a few bogged. Power through. And I saw it. I saw pigs along the track. Last time I went through. Mm. Oh, yeah. 
and about a, thir- a yeah. million kangaroos. Yep. Anyway, there's the offer. If you want to come, jump mm. on the website, contact form, send us a message. We'll put you on the list. We're going to have a fun day on, on uh, bribey, drone fishing, and whatever else happens. Chasing pigs. It's a good fun. Chasing, we're not shooting. <laughs> yep. We're all us. We're all good. That's it. I reckon that's us. All right, Hendo, you can take us out. That's right. <laughs> on the spot again. How's it? How's, how's it? I'm very impressed. I'm, I'm, I'm very impressed. What are we at now? Hour and 40. That's run that full power. That's ridiculous. That is ridiculous. Just, I know well, you want to wrap it up, but what sort of batteries it actually got? Is it, it's, is it those sort of larger yeah. rechargeable ones? Look, I'm going to turn the light on. I can't see otherwise. And um, well, that's made a huge difference. Well, well, see that it's still I'm I'm not running high power at all, so it runs. And that was on its highest setting. That was the highest setting, and that's the battery it runs, and that battery's not it's, it's barely warm. Can you hold and, it up again? Come over so, to the center in front of you. How many amp hours? Sixty five hundred. I've got I've got my glasses on. Mine. That's a massive battery. That's, yeah, that's it is a big battery. You were thinking of these ones, man. Uh, yeah, sixty five hundred. Yeah, that's what uh, I was three, thinking. Sixty five hundred three point yeah. sixty five hundred three point seven volt. But the yeah, thing about it too is, I, I was actually thinking while we're sitting here, because they come with this nifty little um, because that's magnetic. They come with these little magnetic hooks. That'd be a pretty that good campfire. Mm. You know, on on flood. That'd be a pretty good camera. Does it pop down and give you the lens in like some of their stuff does? No, it doesn't do that. But I mean, as I said, all you need is there's a magnetic hook, and that's a that's a pretty good camera. All right, enough on the light. It's just warm. It's not light. Cool. Well, Mark and Jono, it's been absolutely fantastic, and we are now wrapping up this um, version of the Hunters Campfire podcast, featuring <laughs> Hendo and um, good memories from both Fraser and um, the Slam. Thank you very much. Cool. Thanks, mate. Good stuff, man. Thanks for joining us. Good work, mate. Good job. Could be something in it for you.